Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I'm James McSorley. I am joined, as usual, by Mark Schofield. How are you doing? It's all good, man. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Uh, we're back. I know we were kind of back last week, but we're <laughs> definitely back this time. Uh, far too many games to watch. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, did you feel like you've forgotten how to cram 12 <laughs> games into a weekend? Or yes. are you still... Um, I mean, we're recording this on Monday because you were obviously, you were away at Mercia. So I guess it's like bought me a bit of extra time. Um, but yeah, I think my brain has like natural prioritization of what games I want to pay the most attention to. And it's like, while it's been pretty consistently decent this weekend, there's definitely a couple that I gave a quick look to and was like, <laughs> no, five minutes of this and onwards. Yeah, yeah, I kind of do the same. Like there was one or two games that, for example, you watch the first three minutes and it's like six two to one team yeah. and then you skip forward to 18 minutes in and then you're like is it are they winning by like 20 25 all right cool that's kind of this has gone exactly the same as the first couple of minutes then mathematically but yeah because we can't watch every game my thing is always when i'm away on a long trip i'm like i'll watch them all on the bus back if it's like an eight-hour bus journey and then i realize that we drive through like barren countryside with no phone signal for <laughs> large parts of some journeys and also that i would just like to sleep but yeah so we, we we get to most of the games in some way lack of commitment there yeah it's funny that i'm justifying something that no one asked us to do <laughs> right but i also could just have said that like I, I watched every minute of every game but yeah, yeah. feels like a real achievement when you do and then all of a sudden you're like mm, i probably could have gotten away with not doing that but yeah in in that sense, last weekend was quite nice because it was like four German games and four Spanish games and all the Spanish games were teams that we were intrigued by. Yeah, and I also I played in two of those games and watched one of them live. So I was like, all right, cool. I've done a bit of my homework on the bus here, so to speak. But, but right, should we crack on? All right, as per usual, we're going to start in Spain and in no particular order, the first game that we have a link to is... Madiba, 52, uh, whatever Las Rosas is called, as you described them, 65. I what, are they, what are they meant to be called now? I think they are Leganes. Uh, this was my first thing that I was going to bring up. Do you fully understand what's happened here? Because no. I don't. It's Fundacion FDI, which I imagine yeah. is like a local disability sports sponsor of some variety. And I imagine they sponsor two teams, one that went down and another one that went up. And they went, hey, we need some new players. And this <laughs> team has just... Like, you see it in other sports, like, I don't know, you don't follow football, but it has a sort of demotion and relegation and promotion system. And you see that, like, there are certain good players that get relegated that just swap over on the way. Yeah, like, it was like... Jump ship on the way past. It was the Jose Leap signature for a few years there, wasn't it? Between like Hitafe, Zuzanak, back to Hitafe at one point. Yeah. But no, like it's cool for those guys who don't have to like uproot and like yeah. move house and move families around, obviously. Like it's fundamentally a good thing. But it's just funny because this is just Las Rosas again and it's gonna take us a little minute. Well, the most important thing about Las Rosas is that Carlos Vera is out of retirement which is a great thing to see because I think he was like on their score sheets all of the last year, but didn't actually play like the same way that Adi Arabemi has been on Malaga's roster for a while. Yeah. But, like doesn't that, he's basically there in case of like foul trouble or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but Carlos Vera started himself and it says 86 as his Jersey number, but that can't be that far off his real age at this point. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think he's, He's definitely not. He's probably not the oldest player in the league. If he was around last year, he probably wasn't the oldest player on Las Rosas by like at least a decade or so. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in what age he is now. But like, I wonder who the oldest player in the Spanish league is. It might be Claudio for Claudio Gonzalez for Gran Canaria because I know he's 52. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was... I he had his 50th birthday while I was there. So right. like. Yeah, he might be pushing it then. Um, although we'll get to it in a little bit. We did watch uh, Hoventut and they got some old boys over there. So I think they might be in the um, the front running for that. 
Yeah, the old guys I don't know is probably the the yeah. thing. But yeah, on this one, um, Yaganes, as they're called now, they Philip Halfley was their big signing of the offseason. They did have a couple extra high pointers last year with um like Salvador Zavala and Christian Gomez. I think Christian Gomez is coming back, I've heard, but isn't here for the start of the season. Um, yeah, like the point that we brought up about Worlds moving is that maybe some teams have gone, oh, if I start paying you in September and then we have three months off, like maybe yeah. we'll just bring you here in January. But I, I don't know what the crack is now, obviously, with Worlds moving. Maybe they're like, hey, are you about? Yeah. But, um, but in, the, in the meantime, happily with 18 points on 90% shooting is probably a decent enough Gomez stand-in. Uh, Cano Martinez is back as well. I, I think he missed the second half of last season. And then if you'd have watched the America's Cup, you would have thought he was like a top five player in the entire world. You you know I'm a fan of watching him just like score 20 on, yeah. on uh, a Fundacion FDI team of choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, he yeah, it's cool to see him back. I don't really know where he was back end of last year, but like obviously whatever it was i'm glad it's resolved to the point that he's back here yeah. um but yeah because i like watching him play basketball sure. um anyone who wears two sleeves and a headband and sweatbands <laughs> is like and leggings yeah i love it he, he does look like do you know when you're a kid and you got like whichever nba 2k game it was always like i could never resist the urge to when i did like the create my player i just wanted them to have every accessory be like two sleeves headband the little finger things like various wristbands and kind of what yeah. is like a wheelchair NBA 2K created player. Like the LeBron thing where he has a Kobe Bryant finger band now, yeah. which is a wild thing to exist. But yeah, yeah um, Madiba obviously struggling um, to get more than six players because everyone left because they owe people some money as is well publicized. Uh, pay your players. Uh, yeah. Pay- this was kind of, I had a feeling going into this. Um, we, this was going to be kind of what we focused on with Madiba because we had Phil on obviously start the summer who talks about why he left and by proxy kind of talks about why some of the South American guys tend to stick around there despite the less than perfect treatment they get. And it's essentially because a lot, a lot of the guys who are there, it's, you know, better to stay in Spain, maybe not getting paid than it would be to head back to South America and see what kind of money you could get playing over there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe also the guys that stuck around just coincidentally had no problem. Yeah, there is like, that. That might be the thing, but yeah, yeah like I, I hope everyone who's sticking around gets treated well there this year. Um, yeah. Because yeah, so. yeah, like I love how we've not really talked about any of the on-court stuff because there wasn't a whole lot well, yeah, this this is kind of it. You better hope they're getting looked after because I don't imagine the basketball season they're due to have right now is going to be enough to keep any of them sticking through any off-court troubles for because yeah. they're, they're going to be in for a rough ride by the looks of it. They get 23 from John Hernandez, 21 from Salvador Sandoval, and eight points from their four other players. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a rough ride, man. There's not really much sway to put in this they just are massively talent deficient from last year and it's kind of obviously you don't blame the players in this situation but it's very much of the club's own doing that they've dropped off so heavily in one summer yeah for sure um yeah they're gonna they're gonna have a tough time this year there'll be games that sandoval and john hernandez will be able to do enough for them to win i have no doubt because john's the man and sandoval's great but yeah, I don't know. It's tough for those guys, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll Rough see kind of see should how they we, go. Should we move on? Yes. I think there's a weird thing with teams like that as well, where in a couple of weeks we'll be able to see whereabouts in the table they are and who's around them and therefore what games are really important for them to win. But things kind of need to fall into place for you to know which ones are important at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's kind of the case with a few of these like like it, that could already be massive for Leganes to have won that game, but yeah, yeah, definitely. And speaking of teams that could do with, you know, getting an early win against each other, second game here, 
Uh, Vidalid and Gran Canaria, 76-47 for Vidalid. These look like two teams who would be fighting for a place in the top four. Um, and I would have thought this would have been closer than it ended up being by a considerable amount. Um, you think they'll be fighting for a place in the top four? Well, the way I, I, would, I would have settled around like fifth, sixth. Well, that's... For these guys. Well, I know that's obviously next door to four, but I don't know. Like I my think th- there's a bit of a line there. Theory, my working theory is Ilunion, Albacete, Bilbao, top three, and some order of Malaga, Valladolid, and Gran Canaria looking for top four. I think I think, I think Malaga are great. Um, we'll get okay. on. To that. Well, no, I don't know. We'll get on to that. Like they have some issues with, like rules and whatnot and lineups but yeah well we'll, that's not who we're talking about but yeah by the lead they signed obviously Romo and Clarence McCarthy uh Clarence McCarthy Grogan sorry um and I was like yeah they're gonna be pretty good but I they I think I still think they looked better than I thought they would yeah I think it was particularly impressive they got nearly a 30 point win against a team that has already played two games that mattered um yeah i thought we may be in a what i thought would have been a closer matchup i would have expected to see gran canaria come out looking slightly more ready to go yeah and like when it's your first game of the season in vitaly's case i know they've played friendly and stuff but i don't think i've ever seen a team play a first quarter of the season where it's not like 10 minutes of still feeling it out once the adrenaline's pumping if that makes sense yeah sure although i think what helps even though they've kind of incorporated, we spoke about this, like signing new number one guys. Um, well, I suppose like you've signed two perimeter based ball handling players, but like you can still give the ball to Maxi and let him get you 21 on efficient shooting and, you know, still run the show. Like, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Cause we're one of uh, Fabian Romo's lines when we spoke to him was about kind of being there to release the pressure off Maxi. And I think at the time we were probably like, eh, are you yeah. are you gonna just have the ball in your hands or coming across the halfway line? But that was kind of what I thought. But then the number of times that Maxi just like caught the ball on the wing and was able to roll into a like left wing bank shot, which he makes as consistently as anybody outside of maybe the top tier of shooters in the league. Yeah. It's it's like, oh, if Maxi can get a handful of those a game rather than having to like run a pick and roll off a double screen to start literally every offense, which he has to do last year. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. Vitaly started small-ish with Yelmer on the bench, considering he's like their one real traditional big. Yeah. Uh, they essentially went three perimeter guys, Perez and one, uh, Jonathan Soria. So yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, if they get enough shooting from that first group and then they can bring Yelmer in, that's a tough matchup for all, but kind of most deep and balanced of teams i guess yeah um, i'm in, i'm interested to see violet as these games go on because like you say if this is fifth and sixth in the league then fine but they do strike me as somebody who would at least want to be in the conversation with malaga at this point obviously both teams got a lot left to prove at this stage yeah for sure um yeah as i say my whole thing there was just like if you can incorporate new guys in and also just run like 30 Maxi Ruggeri, Adrian Perez pick and rolls and have them go 21 points and 14 on seven from 11, that kind of, you know, if you're coming in to a new team and you're like, oh God, how do I fit in here? And you kind of, you you get to watch those guys go to work first before it comes to you. That's that's not a bad spot to try and fill in. But yeah, I thought the new guys did great. I think they're going to be cool this year. Yeah, not a huge offensive game from CJ Grogan, but there's a he's like a really unconventional player being a four with kind of the size he sits at and his like movements are just usually fours like him are very perimeter based, but he seemed like a guy who's constantly trying to drive inside. He's like almost of the Ramane school, speaking of the team they're playing against. Yeah. Um, kind of plays a bit like I don't know. Like, there's no one really. I was thinking this. I was watching. Well, more like mid-sized threes. Not, not to say he yeah. plays under his points, but I mean, he plays the sort of like the uh, like the very Australian like drive, kick, jungle ball type style. 
just because he's a little undersized as a four. But yeah, I guess maybe Sean Norris is like the most obvious comparison. Although that seems... that might be lazy from me. Like yeah, or else. no, I get it. It's, it feels lazy as soon as we say it, but I think it might. Like sometimes the most obvious comparison is the right one because it's so obvious. Yeah. Did you ever hear about the Daryl Morey player comparison thing in the draft? Oh, the cross-racial thing. Yeah, where he's like, hey, we're going to try and find a player comparison to him, but to not be lazy, we have to go cross-racial. I don't know. That just came into my head as like a weird gimmick to be like, we can't have this reference, but that's <laughs> that's that's just a funny thing to yeah, exist. No, but yeah. Uh, anything on the Grand Canaria side? Um, There's a lot of Richard Norche Bayless out, um, and he's gone from playing barely at all last year and not a whole lot the couple of years before that to now starting and having to get a lot of shots up as he only got four shots up in this game which I think was pretty good defense on Vidalid's side and being able to push the screens out and stuff but there's I think between last weekend and this weekend there's a good amount of if they don't run anything they chuck it to him um they run a lot of like power side as well and then you're putting a we spoke about this you're putting Raul behind a one David on the screen and like Raul is great but obviously like that's kind of what you ran with Rose Hollerman and yeah he's such a small two five as well that it's like unless it's an open catch and shoot there's more or less no chance of him dribbling inside to you know you've not got the same split against one defender that you maybe would have had with Rose being able to pull up but yeah um, um also Driss yeah. side yeah was not playing I believe his chair broke on a plane somewhere between whatever they also had a really tough week i don't know if you saw but the there's there's storms in the canaries or some sort of weather phenomenon that mean that meant that after the super cup they only got back on like tuesday which is pretty grim but not saying that swung the outcome but i think not bringing that up is unfair but yeah no grand canaria some stuff to figure out it'd be interesting to like see how they go yeah, in their defense, they've got a lot of season left, and considering they've replaced three fifths of their team and kind of reshuffled the rotations and stuff, they haven't had easy games with which to figure any of this stuff out. So, no, maybe, exactly. maybe they just need a run to let it come together. Strikes me as that. Imagine if they just tried to bring everyone back. Imagine if that was their answer. Nah, <laughs> joking. All right. Um, cool. Shall we move on? Yeah, this one won't take long. Won't it? How do you know? All right. Alunion 74, uh, Chauventut 22. This was the game that I was talking about where you were like, oh, what's what's going on here? Let's put it on for a bit. And it was 15-2 in the first quarter. Yeah. And then you scroll on a little bit and you kind of do the maths and you're like, yeah, okay. So it was, it was about that every quarter. They yeah. kind of rotated. Obviously still no Terry. Um, yeah, the eye this, poke. This was a. I feel like you can look at the stat sheet here and it's like, oh, they could have started Bill Latham, they chose to start Paco Quiles instead. Obviously, that's a move to get him some starting experience, but that's well, not... no, hold on. He he gets a point off, doesn't he? Oh, so he does. I forgot. Oh, about yeah, that. no, they went they went four three threes and a one five, ignore so me. they couldn't ignore me. I was wrong. Um, my other point on the stat sheet was going to be Amadou getting 25 is generally a sign that the opposing defense isn't challenging the offensive philosophy a whole lot. And that's no slight to Amadou. That's more an acknowledgement that his entire role is to take among the easiest shots they can possibly get. And he doesn't really shoot the ball outside of that. So, yeah, it means they're it either means their offense is absolutely firing and they're getting him like layups or they don't need to be firing to get layups and it was the latter like it was that was it uh greg playing six minutes and getting one shot yeah this is this is everything here is indicative of a substantial talent mismatch i think it's you couldn't paint this as anything else yes okay here's here's a here's an interesting one how cool. many shots did they take? How many shots did Joven Dude take in 40 minutes? Uh, looking. I'm, um, I'm looking at the Illunion statue. I've not looked yet. I'm going to go. Illunion took 66 shots. Uh, oh, and tw- Illunion were four from 24 free throws. That is awful. 
Um, I am going to say in 40 minutes, Juventus took 31 shots. <laughs> wow, you went under. It was 36. <laughs> yeah, that kind of like 36 shots up in 40 minutes is, is a lot of turning yeah. the ball over in uh, 24 seconds and whatever. This is just one of the best teams in the league against one of the new teams. Like, yeah. this is how this should go. But, yeah, so not a whole lot to say about it. But, yeah, we'll cool, for, cool for Alunion to get out and get everyone playing. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Right, up next. So, tell us about this one. Bilbao, 78. Mercier, 52. We should preface this before you go into your rant about how it went that you were not worried but a little bit concerned before this game being like Mercia might be here to get somebody this year uh yeah I was a little bit like Mercia have the the pace and the sort of chaos and the sort of the the physical ability to come out and maybe take a game off someone let's hope it isn't us um is yeah that that's what I said to you and it turns out it wasn't the first quarter uh 17 13 and then over the course of the second and the third quarter we scored 49 points and conceded 14 so kind of put the game away there they won the last quarter because we kind of got a little scrappy and they were pressing whether it was we were up 30 at that point but i wonder if it was to just kind of whether it was points difference or saving face or making it look a little better than it was but yeah they obviously have the right to do that and we threw the ball away a little bit like we ended up with a handful of turnovers there i think the stat sheet's a little a little generous in that front, <laughs> but um yeah it seems like we threw the ball about all over the place but we started four bigs they started the second quarter pressing so we went to our sort of mids lineup and kind of blew that out a little bit um but yeah i think they look like still they look like they can be competitive with the sort of middle of the pack teams. I was thinking about it like they are quick enough and probably talented enough to maybe steal a game off one of the big teams, but I think the matchup would have to be right. And the more I thought about it, like I don't know which big team would actually struggle against them. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah, know, I, I don't know which think, matchup it would need to be, but so maybe that's not the case. I think they strike me as this game struck me as your guys patience and precision very much played off well against their various attempts to like up the pace and make it scrappy and fast and playing to their strengths yeah. I think had the been among the top teams were, was there somebody like Madiba from last year who yeah. wanted to run and gun strikes me as the kind of game that Mercia could have potentially upset um but I think all the top handful of teams in the league are probably patient enough to use the same formula that you guys did. Yeah, or if there was a team that played really slow and really big, um, yeah. they could have had the sort of... either You either need a team that... Like, it needed to be one or the other end of the spectrum, like a team that played exactly like them, that they could kind of just make it scrappy, or a team that wants to just plot about and they could have put the pressure on. But, yeah. yeah um, I up. thought... I thought this one was interesting in your guys. You guys obviously start, like you said, Asia, um, Papi, Manu, your one, Lucas Klosner, and Gemma. Uh, Gemma. But I thought your guys' best lineup, you got to see this time because David Maurice was back, who also, after being like maybe the MVP of the Spanish League last year and then sitting out the Super Copa last weekend, just subbed in and drilled a three immediately as if to be like, hey, don't worry, I've still got it. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone was, I don't think any of us were worried whether he still got it or not. But no, it was it was cool to see, especially because like it was like, hey, how's this gonna work? But I think people were people asked me about it. And I was like, mm, I think these guys have all played together, played together for long enough that it won't be an issue. But yeah, Manu's been really, really cool. Like Manu's been really good. Last couple of games, he had twenty-one on really efficient scoring, ten from fourteen, um, which was really cool. Um, I think he was pretty good in Super Copa as well. He was in the All Star Five, so in theory, yes. Yeah, but... I think um, the the other aspects of this with Bill Bowers, I think 
Asier and Papi are much better compliments to each other in reality than they are on paper, which is not very often the case. Um, but Asier kind of operates past first, second, and third, and only really shoot if he's got a layup or like an open bank shot. And Papi's very much will shoot the ball until that is no longer an option. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they just seem to. I would have expected some figuring it out time but it doesn't seem to have been the case at all basically no obviously it's weird to talk about the other team when it was my team that was playing against them but like once again I think the stats have kind of maybe undersold this but Mercia only having three transition points um, also three points in transition is a, like it being an odd number is a hilarious thing to <laughs> exist but you know what I mean like that's like they gotta get out and run if they're gonna trouble some teams the other thing is we were up 39 at one point and it was only 26 in the end. So we have to be able to sort of yeah. put that away. But Fair. yeah, I think I said this to one of the guys in Mercia as well. Like I think they're going to, they're going to trouble someone this year. This might be my Burgos, but you know, <laughs> my, my other favorite Merce, last Mercia point before we move on is like Pablo Zazuela took maybe seven or eight shots from like out on the wing behind screens. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you could almost see the cogs in his brain. He's like, oh my God, is Terry around to yell at me if I shoot this? No, okay, I'll let this fly. It's like so many years at Alunia on and now he's like, I'm breaking free. I'm going launch mode. Yeah. Right, up next. Up next, uh, Amiab, uh, 68. Amphiv, Vigo, 52. So this was, this was a better game than I thought it would be, man. Fair play to Vigo. Yeah, this was tight for a minute. Um, I mean, I, that's a 16-point difference, and I mean, I've won the fourth quarter by 10. So that kind of tells you how close it was. I think Vigo got it down to like a, a one-possession game on a couple of occasions. Um, could you blame this on Amiab having to travel literally the length and breadth of Spain to get here for this game? Probably. Uh, traveling is always, like, traveling is always tough. Yeah. Um, not having Ben also makes a difference. Yeah. Um, so Ben missed the game because when he fell on Danny Sticks' wheel in the Super Cup, his head. He hit his head and has concussion protocol. Um, I don't know what you would call it. But yeah, this was this I think showed Vigo in a good light. They kind of last year they were kind of offense only and they've basically relied on, you know, we'll probably beat some of the lower down teams on talent and against the stronger teams we'll just hope we shoot well enough to upset them um and they were kind of scrappier defensively than they've been in recent years in this game uh i don't know if it was against a slightly less than a hundred percent dedicated amiab team um given the talent disparity and the travel and all that stuff but Vigo brought it, man. Um, and I thought Julio Villas was particularly good in finishing inside, which yeah. they kind of lacked that element from him last year when both their bigs were primarily outside shooters. But Jason Betancourt, who they've brought in, is approximately the size of an adult rhino and distracts most of the big guys. And Villas ran some layups in. And yeah, yeah that's, that's what Villas has done for years. It's weird to see like a mid-sized three on the block for a four or five but he's been doing that his whole Vigo career but also the thing that strikes me watching a team like Vigo or watching Vigo specifically sorry in this is like I feel like Augustin Alejos can shoot a mismatch from the halfway line like above his head like yeah he doesn't he doesn't need to drop the ball below his head to post anyone up from anywhere it seems like he was only eight from 18 in the well seven from 15 from two to like illustrate what i'm talking about but he i don't know there were some mismatches that they came down the floor he was like being defended by someone whose chair was above the free throw line and was just like yeah this is a mismatch i'm happy to either shoot or generate from here which is mad but yeah i know there's a couple of there's a few players in the world that can do that but yeah it just always seems to impress me like the depth at which he's like yeah i gotta miss that this is a good look Agustin Alejos and Dan Highcock are like maybe 1A and 1B for that in the world. Just being like, yeah, this is a post up from wherever I might be. Uh, But yeah, a mismatch is a mismatch. Yeah. YOLO, it'll be fine. 
Like when he was he was behind the free throw line, like fading away at one point. He just it was clean. Um, but yeah, I I was impressed by Vigo overall. Really, I thought the talent disparity and stuff being mentioned, they certainly brought it. And I thought the interesting bit for Albacete on this was when they took Filipski out of the game, kind of second and third quarters for stints. They ran. Uh, like Phil, Pablo, and then Harry, Oscar, Lee. And that, I wouldn't have thought this for Albacete coming into the year, because obviously Phil came in to replace kind of Gaz and Kyle's role in a hybrid, but they kind of struggled with consistent outside shooting, and that was when Vigo really mucked the game up, was just sitting inside. Phil eventually kind of just decided he was going to, take and make some bang shots which broke it open again but uh, phil being like right all right this is done what are we yeah. doing is great yeah for sure um but that's an interesting thing to watch going forward because obviously everyone worries about Filipski shooting the ball and then if they're going to be a little bit shallow in that aspect without him kind of remains to be seen but obviously if they've figured out in game one of the season that phil just needs to be aggressive in the non-Filipski minutes then maybe it's not an issue yeah um thought Harry played well. Um I played yeah. a little more with Ben not being there. Um I obviously just think Harry is great. Um, but did you see the referee <laughs> throwing him a turnover when he was on the free throw line? Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. Like anyone who hasn't seen it, I think God, I don't remember when it was to tell you, but he was on the free throw line and the ref went to throw him the ball to shoot it, and he just went like three feet to the left of his outstretched arm and it's like <laughs> oh man like your job is to blow a whistle and throw passes every so often ref but yeah um yeah so yeah. on this one 19 from phil 17 from lee uh 16 from Filipski, and then eight from harry six from alejandro and two from oscar two from um, oscar. i thought um on the other side of the ball um Basti Kolb was called the German junior. Yeah, I'm interested. He's a 2-5, I think. So he's playing as a 1-5 and he's massive and can shoot the ball a little bit. Yeah, he's a huge, um, he's a lanky guy. I'm kind of interested to see what they make of him because I think with his size, they would ideally like him to be like a duplicate of Vilas's role, but he's a little bit, he's not the steadiest sat in his chair like i wonder mm-hmm. if asking him to go inside and finish will be a bit much so he's less he... physical as well because one of his hands is affected by his disability so he can I like don't i don't i think asking him to get inside and finish off as well as Vilas does sometimes is yeah, maybe a lot but if, no, if i thought he was good if he can make shots man like if they can put him at the top of the key and have him knock him down then that's probably a dimension they didn't have last year either so yeah yeah I'm impressed by vigo and um I think, yeah, yes, Anbeton Court is going to... He's maybe not a problem for Albacete because they got Lee and Alejandro, but I think there's going to be games against slightly less equipped teams where his size is something to worry about. Yeah, like anyone with that size, that is always consequential in some way. Like, he's giant. Yeah. Right, should we move on? Last oh, Spanish game. Last Spanish game. Um, Amivel Reyes Gutierrez, Malaga, 70 Abe Gonza, Basket, Me, Ferrol, 58. Man, these new team names are going to get me. <laughs> or I'm going to get them at some point. But yeah, so took a little longer for Malaga to bust this game open than I thought it would. But yeah, I, I wonder if this game was a symptom of the fact that I don't know what we refer to this team as for short, but Feral for all. Feral is what I've heard people say over here. Uh, so I guess it's Feral. Yeah. I wonder if this was kind of a product of the fact that they run a very simple offense that relies on guys making shots. And like we talked about, first game of the season and, you know, feeling your way out. There's a lot less overhead to have to feel out when you chuck it to a couple of guys who shoot screens or post ups versus. Malaga were really trying to run sets and, you know, find the balance between Kyle and uh, Jaime Esparza, for example. And I don't think Farrell worried about that. They were like, hey, we're just going to shoot shots if we get them. Sure. So I was interested, but they were up at halftime and it took a nine point fourth quarter win by 
Malaga to win the game by 12 overall. So this is maybe more about Malaga feeling it out than it is about Farol long term. But Yeah, I guess last week in the first week of German games or the Supercopa, we said that some of the teams that struggled, it's understandable because they're brand new. And it is also exactly the same for Malaga. I think one thing is obviously the one Spanish player rule in Spain maybe affects these guys. It's like they were able to start um they were able to start with um Victor Bueno instead of um Abdi and run a lineup that in theory, like I think if Abdi's in there if they don't have to play so all Spanish guys. Yeah. Works. They have a couple of lineups that I'm like, this is a great lineup that you can't play. And I'm, this is no knock on I don't think comparing someone to Abdi is a knock on anyone because Abdi's <laughs> the best one of all time. But like, yeah, they have a couple of lineups that in theory would be great, but they have to like they have to not go to, obviously. But yeah, yeah I this, guess this um, is just figuring that stuff out at this point. They might be out of everybody, they might be the most hindered by the one Spanish player rule, which I think is a shame because I think for most most of last season when we did this, we were kind of like Malaga just endlessly seemed to be tinkering with lineups and trying to find the right balance. And then this year, I think their roster looks a bit more coherent talent-wise, but they can't use it to its full extent. Yeah. Because um, I, I think theoretically they could have gone... Oh, yeah, they go Kyle... Uh, Jesus Romero started, Jaime Esparza, Bueno Fernandez, and Pete Cusack. So they could have gone Abdi in for uh, Bueno Fernandez. And if they have felt inclined last year, they could have gone Lewis Edwards in for Romero. Uh, I don't think you can get Cosarinha in, even with junior point. I think that's half a point over. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think they've they've got kind of an artificial ceiling on them that I don't think is going to bother anyone else. But that's um, it. 22 yeah. for Kyle, 22 for Esbasa, 12 for Cosarina off the bench. Yeah, Is he going to be the best player to just come off the bench for his entire life? Uh, Maybe. Um, I think that's the thing where it's like they might have found a way to start him if... No, I don't know, obviously. It's it's tough, but um, just on the one Spanish player rule, like um, not having... Well, I suppose they could have started Abdi, right? Or no? Uh, yeah, they could have. They started uh, if they had Jesus Romero in as well. I'd... But yeah, Jesus Romero was plus 25 in a game that they won by 12. Yeah. Um, their two best lineups in plus minus were the best lineup, which was plus 14, was Abdi, Kyle, Jesus Romero, Amir's Barca, and Cazarina. Yeah. Um, And their second best lineup by plus minus was that first four, but with Pete Kuzak in for Cazarina. Yeah. So yeah, Abdi being in there. Abdi and Jesus Romero being in their two best lineups, plus minus wise, plus minus isn't everything, but I think it helps a little bit with classification. Yeah. Sure. Related wheelchair basketball stuff because you can kind of quantify the importance of having certain people on the floor. But yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think uh, the other thing to take away from this game for Malaga was Jaime Esparza already um, playing inside a little bit more than we saw in previous years where he was very. He kind of took over Flacco's role as being the de facto ball handler and shooter. And I think with Kyle and Romero to a lesser extent, he was a little bit happier kind of hunting mismatches and like short range post-ups. And sure. they didn't didn't have a lot of inside presence last year. So that's a good sign. Um yeah. anything uh, on the Pharrell side? Uh watching Lorenzo Embo shoot stationary threes <laughs> is one of the great joys in in, in the world. Mayhem, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Like he only he was like one from three, but he shot a stationary one over like, Kyle, where he like faded away, faded away, like as if I was like at one point they were running the whole offense and it was like big man holds ball above head, waits for other big man to do something, while he but the whole time he was just fading away and I was like where where are you going like bet like worst case scenario if you stay on the edge of the key you can just pull this and then he got to the three-point line stopped himself and shot it and made it and i was like oh okay yeah like i knew it was something he could do but the fact that he was like ah this edge of the key post up is nonsense give me a stationary three but yeah unbelievable that is cool man um envo with eight um feral led by carol zulch with 22 
Um, Adrian Reynales with eight, and then they got 16 off the bench from Pedro Path. So, yeah, I mean, they've got enough kind of guys who will sink shots to keep them in games. It's just, it's never a promising sign when you can stick around, when you rely on shot making and it means you can stick around for three quarters and then the team that executes the better offense is far, far more likely to take it away from you because they get themselves easier shots. Yeah. Malaga are were the better team and were meant to be. Um, it only took them a little minute because this is the start of their season. That is kind of that's my that's my sub headline on this. Yeah. Um yeah. Cool. Shall we shift to Germany? All right. Yes, let's shift to Germany. What do we got first? All right, we have Rhine River Rhinos against BBC Monsterland. This was a hell of a game. Uh Rhine River Rhinos. 69, Munsterland 64 in the end. Yeah, so this one went into overtime. Um, this is this was really looking like Munsterland were going to take it away. Um, if it wasn't for those pesky fouls, um, they might have done as well. Yeah, it really looked like it was going to happen, man. Um, and this was just like... They beat Cologne last week, and that was like enough of an upset in and of itself, and if they'd have upset this game for a second week in a row, it would have been like, okay, these guys might be the third best team in Germany this year. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of basket for basket the entire fourth quarter. I think the game never got outside of about more than five or six points. Uh, a couple of times it was getting away, and Matthias Bell has just rolled down the floor and hit a three like he was prime Oscar Gerbel. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Yes. But, yeah, they. I don't really know what to make of this one, other than Munsterland seem to be able to keep in it with better teams by making shots. Like it's the second week in a row they've done it, and we don't have a bigger sample size to really compare it against. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they keep it going. It's cool to watch Munsterland do well because apparently it's like majority amateur team. Yeah. Like financially, they can't. They don't have the means to compete with some of the bigger teams. So it's cool to see that um, in a way. Um, but yeah, I think Ryan River Rhinos will also come together. They're still missing two players. Yeah. They'll probably be better than that. Well, they'll definitely be better than this in however long it takes the the Turkish guys to get here. But yeah, yeah um, I think even I then, was... I would have put Ryan River Rhinos down to have enough to have gotten this done a little bit easier than they did. But yeah, agreed. I think this was um, an interesting thing we saw in this game was that they Ryan River Rhinos essentially went to like playing the two ones on a weak side, similar to what we saw with Gran Canaria, mm-hmm. like we were talking about with Raul and David. But yeah. they kind of went with um, Nicola Damiano screening up for Jim. And Munsterland kind of sniffed that out relatively early in the game and just planted Matthias Bellas on the weak side defensively. And they're like, yeah, if two ones want to try and attack this guy who might be, you know, top three or four tallest guys in the German league anywhere. Um, They had some trouble with that. And it ended up, a lot of those possessions that would have been open shots ended up then like a Moji Kamali post up, which he made consistently enough to keep them ahead. But yeah. handful of those possessions go the other way. You know, this game could have been over before it got to overtime, potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was watching this live on the way back from our game uh, with one of my teammates, and we were just like, man, I hope this game goes to, like, seven overtimes. <laughs> but maybe that's not what the players wanted, obviously. But, yeah, it, that was really fun. I would recommend anyone goes and watches this. Also, it's cool to see Aaron Young come back and immediately just be like, ah, eh, here's 24. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Man. Like came back after she was at a national team thing as well. You said right. Yeah. yeah. So like coming back and be like, yeah, size seven. Ah, no worries. Yeah, got it. Let me just clean the blisters off from my intensive week of camp and get twenty four points put away. But yeah, um, but yeah, I think like you say, Turkish guys still to come in for Wiesbaden, and they'll have to juggle their lineups a little bit more. But I think given we've seen two slightly 
underwhelming performances so far, it's not going to hurt to have a couple more weapons. Like, yeah, they'll have to rejig lineups, but that's probably a good problem to have at this point. Yes, good problems. But yeah, be interesting to see if they can figure it out. Um, I say they, it's Lucas Warburton. Um, so yeah. Um, He'll get on the phone to Greg. Greg will have some sage advice. Nah, I don't think he. I don't think he needs that. Um, hey, Greg would be like, just get a two pointer on the right baseline and <laughs> splash. But yeah, no, I don't know. Um, right, yeah, well, I think they're going to be good when they get everyone. But it'll be so interesting to watch them gel. And I wonder if them having to do that mid season is going to sort of be their downfall in terms of coming third in the league. Yeah. Also, non basketball point on it, but it's a predominantly very English speaking team. And I don't know if Turkish players who've played abroad are typically renowned for having great English skills. I don't know what the... Yeah, the I don't know these two at all. They yeah. could be fluent. But yeah. like, that would make life easier. That'd be very cool. All right. right. Up next. Yes. Um. So next is Hanover United, 77. The team with the best name of all time, Hot Rolling Bears, 32. So I did not get to watch this game. Yeah, well, we're finally losing battle here because all the stats on the stat sheet are just the number zero. So this was zero points for anybody. Zero points for everyone, including the player who is four asterisks, first name, or four asterisks, second name, three asterisks, first name. (laughs) So yeah, good job on the stats, guy or girl or guys. Guys, guys, non-binary pals, good job on the stats. This was... This is similar to what we talked about with Illunion and Juventus, where Hanover not to the level of Illunion, but this is, for all intents and purposes, professional team versus amateur team. And as we've established, Munsterland seem to be the only amateur team who can hang. I say amateur, Munsterland aren't completely amateur. I, w- I want to stress that. I mean, they just don't have the means of a, the higher-up German teams. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is established good team versus brand new team in league and this is roughly how those games are meant to go yeah um and from the amount of time of this game that i caught bearing in mind it was predominantly while jumping back and forth between other games it's i feel like every time i clicked on to watch this game it was transition for hanover and it's like that's very much the sign of one team is just playing at a faster mental pace than the other team like reading the game quicker yeah, and that is very indicative of, you know, what we're talking about here: more experienced, more established guys and girls versus, you know, a team that's only just made the. I think this is their first ever appearance in the um the top German league, uh-huh. and yeah, there's just not not any way you can claim you can compare the talent. Yeah, all so, right. Not um, a whole lot needed to be said there then. Now, the one thing we'll point out on Hanover, which I don't think we actually acknowledged last week, is Mariska is not with the team currently. I think she's fully COVID recovered, but I think all of the Dutch women are or were planning to be centralized pre worlds and they're what- currently yeah. they were currently on an, an away, like an abroad training camp right. in that game. I don't know if they're then coming back. I don't. Yeah. If any of the Dutch women's national team players listen to this and would like to tell us what's going on, that'd be cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So Hanover still not at full strength, but obviously didn't need to be for this game. And the, I imagine the tests will come. But yep. we'll move on. So this was Landil 84, Trier 57. Yeah, sorry, you just said we're going to move on as I was about to be like, uh, my only other thing is I hope Hanover and Ryan Riveranos both have their full teams by the time they play each other. Cool, anyway, next. Yep, so Landil 84, Trier 57, and kind of a tough break for Trier in this one because we saw them push Hanover really close last week and it would have been nice to see how they could kind of build off the back of that. (laughs) This ultimately isn't the game where you really get a true reflection of what the team might be all about just because Landil are as stacked as they've been in the last fill-in-the-number years. It's, you know, a team like Trier who obviously do everything the best they possibly can and pick the, you know, they make smart picks and, like, less heralded guys who might fit what they want to do. 
all of that is probably enough to carry you a certain way, but past Landil is probably not one of those milestones. No, for sure. This is, yeah, that this was always going to be tough. As you say, it would have been cool to see them do well last week and then have a couple of games to build momentum and yeah. incorporate everyone. But no, you, you, you don't want that, especially if you're coming up against Landil that are giving you 23, 21, and 17 from three guys. Yeah. Tommy Bulma with 23, Gaz Chardry 21, Rio Fujimoto with 17. Like, you, you, you're done at that point. Like, yeah. you've already lost the you've already lost the game on those three guys. Yeah. It's yeah. um I think it's it's interesting though, because it's obviously 84 is a substantial scoreline. Um and probably as high as it gets in Germany outside of Thuringen racking it up against weaker teams, but Thuringen loving to score a hundred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Landil's defense maybe fifty-seven doesn't indicate it because you're playing against one of the all-time late clock shot makers in Passavant. But yeah. Landil's defense is as impressive, if not more, than anything they do offensively. Oh, for sure, they just run teams into the ground, and I I imagine playing against them, you must feel like the shot clock starts from like four instead of twenty-four. There just almost never seems to be a possession where anyone gets a shot away with like more than 10 seconds on the clock. Exactly. And it seems like they have like seven different, like seven different things to run in every different scenario. And they have such lineup versatility. And they obviously just have a habit of signing guys that really know how to move their chairs. But um, yeah, the fact that they can just rotate at that level and not really drop off is nuts. But yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see them play some of the better teams because I think they're great. I don't think it's a shock, but definitely. Um, um, and yeah, I think we saw a little bit more lineup schmoozing this week, and they, I think they went Rio and Matthias together briefly in this game, and against a team like Trier, who have never really had an abundance of size, it's the obvious chess move for Landil to use, but. Uh, it did almost feel to put like, hey, come on, guys, you don't have to do this. But yeah. you're you're already, you know, the the numbers are in your favor. Let's not let's not push it. But it is well within their rights to do that. And this yeah. is a professional league, so roll with it. That's it. And also, like Landil got to like, and I don't know whether these are lineups that they're thinking of like legit using in in like tied games or whatever. But like mid second quarter, they were already rotating. To stuff that we like didn't see last week and i was like oh okay like second quarter we're here yeah all right cool <laughs> okay last one so this one was basket hamburg 38 thuringa bulls 93 so a slightly down week for thuringen by their own standards yeah also i speak about them wanting to score 100 all the time that is not something that is actually true as far as i'm aware i think yeah, they yeah. just like don't drop off like we were speaking about it where they don't have the thing where they go all right we're up 28 and then you just kind of throw the ball away three times or you let someone have a layup because you stop talking like they're all just I, I assume it's like discipline and motivation and just being well coached and sort of keeping like they have a lot of guys that are probably absolute grafters and keep themselves accountable but they just are incapable of taking the foot off the gas and it's obviously depth related as well like if you have 10 good players yeah on the, on the depth point they they actually went to this game without Dylan Fishback I'm not sure why uh he did get a couple of votes for the belt ahead of time so I assume he was a last minute absence sure. um yeah hope he's hope he's good yeah, they also were missing their head coach who I think I read had a COVID positive Oh, okay. Maybe um, maybe that was the case. In, yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. But yeah, hope everyone's grand. So um, Andre Bienek, who's their newly named assistant coach for this season, has supplanted the head coach after just one game. But um, there was a point with throwing where they were ahead and they're running their bench plus one starter, which I think was Jordi Ruiz. And it's like Jordi, Jens Albrecht, Ari, Carly Spodniaks, and... Hubert Hager. Oh, um, man. It's like, this is your bench, and this team would be third in the German league, probably. <laughs> like, yeah, being like, oh, good, we get a Brit. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and yeah, they to say they're missing um, Dylan Fishback, they're missing Yitzka, um, who's obviously away with the Dutch team, and Marikia played Yitzka's role effectively, and no drop off from one of the best one pointers in the world, full stop, regardless of male or female. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this was just Hamburg kind of have a couple of pieces. Um, I really rate Kai Muller. I think he's steadying presence. I think that new guy they signed, Paul Yakmik, is yeah. decent and an okay ball handler and shooter, but we had Tommy Bomer on here mid-season to talk about how much he struggled against Thuringen's defensive pressure. So in that sense, tough throwing into the fire to start the season for Paul Yakmik, who, you know, maybe the biggest role he's ever had on a team right now and you're going against Jordy Ruiz and Joachim Linden and those guys. Yeah, pressure. sure. Just like we will beat you up 13 feet outside the three-point line if we're <laughs> able to get you stopped there. But yeah, I don't know. I think the two top teams in Germany, anytime they play someone, there's only so much to talk about until they play each other or yeah. maybe a Hamburg or a Wiesbaden. But yeah, excited to see when that happens. I, I say this is if they like announce the fixtures on a Friday. Every, like I could just look <laughs> this up, but you um, can. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll throw in a mention at this point that Hamburg and Trier have actually played each other today. Um, we just didn't get to factor that one into the roundup because we've been kind of getting ready to do this for the last day or so. And if a game's on a Monday, it doesn't really leave us a huge amount of time to get that one watched and covered and opinions formed. Uh, exactly. Triad did win that one um, 81-57 for what it's worth. Oh, so, do you know how many points uh, Pass One had? Uh, we're prepared. Are you prepared to vamp for a minute while I pull the stats up? Yes, no problem. I was going to try and guess like a certain number anyway. So how many did they score as a team? 80-something? 81. Ah, okay, I'm going to split it up the middle and say he had 40, which would be hilarious. Also, I, I when I said that, was I prepared to vamp? I mean, I meant like spiritually, yes, but like verbally, no, because I'm right. already running out of gas. Okay, would you change your opinion if I told you that Trier had four double-digit scores? No, for a laugh. <laughs> Just for fun, no. Okay, well, you were wrong by a factor of basically double. Passavan had 21 and only 14 shots, which might be his lowest number of shots he's ever taken while we've been doing this. Oh, okay. Shout out uh, to the rest of those guys then. Passavan with 21, Patrick Dorno with 19, Corey Rosu with 17, and Walter Vlandaren. Mendel's going to kill me for that one. Uh, 13. I don't think he's going to bother. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's been the week's roundup, and feels feels like we're getting back into the swing now. That was a lot of games to rattle through in an hour or so, especially considering we wasted a good amount of time talking about NBA 2K and sure. yeah, whatever other crap we talked about early doors. Talking about talking about stuff that isn't the league, I have had the idea of just like hitting record and us having a cold open, but I wanted to discuss it just coincidentally live on air, not live. Um, but on the podcast, so that if we ever actually do it, people don't start the podcast and think that it's it's just started in the middle. But yeah, you you have wanted to do this for basically as long as we've been <laughs> as long as we've been hitting record on these conversations. Uh, have you got them planned in your head? No, but I just as a podcast I listen to that they don't have a cold open, but it always makes me laugh because they put like ten minute clips of it on YouTube, and the bits that they put always start just after they finished a topic and run out of steam and talked about something random so the youtube videos are always like yeah and then i said like how do you expect me to fight a bear but anyway so talking about this team and i just i'd love the idea of us just going in but i, I would have to like warn you anyway so it would be it would be fabricated and not great but anyway glad we had this conversation on the podcast thanks for listening guys so Last thing before we get out of here, today is Monday, which means this will be going out on Tuesday morning, which means by the time this is going out, there will be something on our Instagram asking people to submit questions for guests. And this guest might be the second member of the human race to ever fall victim for James McSorley's charms. Oh, do you well. Want tell, do you want to tell everyone who it is? Yeah, we're going to be joined by Joey Johnson, which yeah. is big and exciting and 
I mentioned the podcast in passing on a bus in Birmingham and the three on three stuff in the Commonwealths. And he was like, Oh, I, I didn't know this existed. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. Uh, would you like to come on? Just, I thought I'd shoot my shot. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. So I'll ask him if he thinks it was great when we've actually finished, but yeah, get some good questions in because I don't know, every time we have a legend of the game on and we don't get that many questions, I feel like we've wasted people's time. So anything <laughs> you want to ask Joey, let us know. Yeah. Cool. We will catch you guys very shortly then with our Joey Johnson episode. That'll be out on Thursday. This will be out on Tuesday. Till then, take it easy. Excellent. Take it easy. Bye-bye.